Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text and manual for teachers of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse have a link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to your email from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading in the Manual for Teachers with question number two, who are their pupils? And number three, what are the levels of teaching? We're also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 339. I will receive whatever I request. And by way of opening this morning, I would just really love to share this poem from Hafiz that goes like this. I sometimes forget that I was created for joy. My mind is too busy. My heart is too heavy for me to remember that I have been called to dance, the sacred dance of life. I think we have one unmuted line. I have been called to join. I have been called to dance, the sacred dance of life. I was created to smile, to love, to be lifted up and to lift others up. O oh, sacred one, untangle my feet from all that ensnares. Free my soul that we might dance and that our dancing might be contagious. A poem from Hafiz. I will receive whatever I request. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. I love that poem as a reminder of requesting. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Fran, Lemoyne, Harrison, Jessica, Donna, and Robin Marie. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida, Patricia, Diana, and Judy. Has anyone else joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Okay. All right, so here we go again. In the manual for teachers, beginning with question number two, who are their pupils? Paragraph one, certain pupils have been assigned to each of God's teachers, and they will begin to look for him as soon as he has answered the call. They were chosen for him because the form of the universal curriculum that he will teach is best for them in order, in view of their level of understanding. His pupils have been waiting for him, for his coming is certain. Again, it is only a matter of time. 
once he has chosen to fulfill his role, they are ready to fulfill theirs. Time waits on his choice, but not on whom he will serve. When he is ready to learn, the opportunities to teach will be provided for him. Uh, All right. Um, number two, who are their pupils? Certain pupils have been assigned to each of God's teachers, and they will begin to look for him as soon as he has answered the call. They were chosen for him because of the form of the universal curriculum that he will teach is best for them in view of their level of understanding. His pupils have been waiting for him, or his coming is certain. Again, it is only a matter of time. Once he has chosen to fulfill his role, they are ready to fulfill theirs. Time waits on his choice, but not on whom he will serve. When he is ready to learn, the opportunities to teach will be provided for him. In order to understand the teaching learning plan of salvation, it is necessary to grasp the concept of time which the Course sets forth. Atonement corrects illusions, not truth. Therefore, it corrects what never was. Further, the plan for this correction was established and completed simultaneously, for the will of God is entirely apart from time. So is all reality, being of Him. The instant the idea of separation entered the mind of God's Son, in that same instant was God's answer given. In time, this happened very long ago. In reality, it never happened at all. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Harrison. Excuse me. Two. In order to understand the teaching learning plan of salvation, it is necessary to grasp the concept of time which the Course sets forth. Atonement corrects illusions, not the truth. Therefore, it corrects what never was. Further, the plan for this corruption was established and completed simultaneously. For the will of God is entirely apart from time. So is all reality being him. The, the instant the idea of separation entered the mind of God's Son, in that same instant was God's answer given. In time, this happened very long ago. In reality, it never happened at all. Three, the world of time is the world of illusion. 
what happened long ago seems to be happening now. Choices made long since appear to be open, yet to be made. What has been learned and understood and long ago passed by is looked upon as a new thought, a fresh idea, a different approach. Because your will is free, you can accept what has already happened at any time you choose, and only then we realize that it was always there. As the Course emphasizes, you're not free to choose the curriculum or even the form in which you will learn it. You are free, however, to decide when you want to learn it, and as you accept it, it is already learned. Thank you, Harrison. And Jessica. Thanks, Lori. Three, the world of time is the world of illusion. What happened long ago seems to be happening now. Choices made long since appear to be open, yet to be made. What has been learned and understood and long ago passed by is looked upon as a new thought, a fresh idea, a different approach. Because your will is free, you can accept what has already happened at any time you choose. And only then will you realize that it was always there. As the Course emphasizes, you are not free to choose the curriculum or even the form in which you will learn it. You are free, however, to decide when you want to learn it. And as you accept it, it is already learned. Four, time really then goes backward to an instant so ancient that it is beyond all memory and past even the possibility of remembering. Yet because it is an instant that is relived again and again and still again, it seems to be now. And thus it is that pupil and teacher seem to come together in the present finding each other as if they had not met before. The pupil comes at the right time to the right place. This is inevitable because he made the right choice in that ancient instant which he now relives. So has the teacher, too, made an inevitable choice out of an ancient past. God's will in everything but seems to take time in the working out. What could delay the power of eternity? Thank you, Jessica. And Fran, I beg your pardon. Um, would you be able to read now? I put you in the wrong place. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sure. That's Thanks. okay. Four. Time really then goes backward to an instance so ancient that it is beyond all memory 
and past even the possibility of remembering. Yet because it is an incident that is relived again and again and still again, it seems to be now. And most of it is that pupil and teacher seem to come together in the present, finding each other as if they had not met before. The pupil comes at the right time to the right place. This is inevitable because he made the right choice in that ancient instant which he now relives. So has the teacher, too, made an inevitable choice out of an ancient past. God's will and everything but seems to take time in the working out. What could delay the power of eternity? Five. When pupil and teacher come together, a teaching-learning situation begins. For the teacher is not really the one who does the teaching. God's teacher speaks to any two who join together for learning purposes. The relationship is holy because of that purpose. And God has promised to send his spirit into any holy relationship. In the teaching-learning situation, each one learns that giving and receiving are the same. The demarcations they have drawn between their roles, their minds, their bodies, their needs, their interests, and all the differences they thought separated them from one another fade and grow dim and disappear. Those who would learn the same course share one interest and one goal. And thus he who was the learner becomes a teacher of God himself. For he has made the one decision that gave his teacher to him. He has seen in another person the same interest as his own. Thank you, Fran. And Donna, if you'd like to do paragraph five and then roll right into question three levels, please. Uh, are you on mute, Donna? <laughs> I'm trying to get unmuted. <clears throat> I'll <give> okay. <clears throat> Five. When pupil and teacher come together, a teaching-learning situation begins. But the teacher is not really the one who does the teaching. God's teacher speaks to any two who join together for learning purposes. The relationship is holy because of that purpose, and God has promised to send his spirit into any holy relationship. In the teaching-learning situation, each one learns that giving and receiving are the same. The demarcation they have drawn between their roles, their minds, their bodies, their needs, their interests, and all the differences they thought separated them from one another fade and grow dim and disappear. Those who would learn the same course share one interest and one goal. And thus, he who was the learner becomes a teacher of God himself, for he has made the one decision that gave his teacher to him. He has seen in another person the same interest as his own. Manual for Teachers, Section 3. What are the levels of teaching? 
1. The teachers of God have no set teaching level. Each teaching-learning situation involves a different relationship at the beginning, although the ultimate goal is always the same, to make of the relationship a holy relationship in which both can look upon the Son of God as sinless. There is no one from whom a teacher of God cannot learn, so there is no one whom he cannot teach. However, from a practical point of view, he cannot meet everyone, nor can everyone find him. Therefore, the plan includes very specific contacts to be made for each teacher of God. There are no accidents in salvation. Those who are to meet will meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. They are ready for each other. Thank you, Donna. And Robin Marie. Um, Manual for Teachers, Section 3, What are the Levels of Teaching? The teachers of God have no set teaching level. Each teaching-learning situation involves a different relationship at the beginning, although the ultimate goal is always the same, to make of the relationship a holy relationship in which both can look upon the Son of God as sinless. There is no one from whom a teacher of God cannot learn, so there is no one whom he cannot teach. However, from a practical point of view, he cannot meet everyone, nor can everyone find him. Therefore, the plan includes very specific contact to be made for each teacher of God. There are no accidents in salvation. Those who are to meet will meet, because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. They are ready for each other. <clears throat> Two, the simplest level of teaching appears to be quite superficial. It consists of what seems to be very casual encounters, a chance meeting of two apparent strangers in an elevator, a child who is not looking where he is going, running into an adult, quote, by accident, unquote, two students who happen to walk home together. These are not chance encounters. Each of them has the potential for becoming a teaching-learning situation. Perhaps the seeming strangers in the elevator will smile to one another. Perhaps the man will not scold the child for bumping into him. Perhaps the students will become friends. Even at the level of the most casual encounter, it is possible for two people to lose sight of separate interests, if only for a moment. That moment will be enough. Salvation has come. Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there a new reader for paragraph two and three? This is Sandra. I can read. 
Two, the simplest level of teaching appears to be quite superficial. It consists of what seems to be very casual encounters, a chance meeting of two apparent strangers in an elevator, a child who is not looking where he's going running into an adult by accident, two students who happen to walk home together. These are not chance encounters. Each of them has the potential for becoming a teaching-learning situation. Perhaps the seeming strangers in the elevator will smile to one another. Perhaps the man will not scold the child for bumping into him. Perhaps the students will become friends. Even at the level of the most casual encounter, it is possible for two people to lose sight of separate interests, if only for a moment. That moment will be enough. Salvation has come. Three. It is difficult to understand that levels of teaching the universal course is a concept as meaningless in reality as is time. The illusion of one permits the illusion of the other. In time, the teacher of God seems to begin to change his mind about the world with the single decision and then learns more and more about the new direction as he teaches it. We have covered the illusion of time already, but the illusion of levels of teaching seems to be something different. Perhaps the best way to demonstrate that these levels cannot exist is simply to say that any level of the teaching-learning situation is part of God's plan for atonement. And his plan can have no levels, being a reflection of his will. Salvation is always ready and always there. God's teachers work at difficult, at different levels, but the result is always the same. Thank you, Sandra. And would there be another narrator for paragraph three and four? I can do it. I can do it, Lori. Thanks, Judy. Three, it is difficult to understand that levels of teaching the universal course is a concept as meaningless. In reality, it is time. The illusion of one permits the illusion of the other. In time, the teacher of God seems to begin to change his mind about the world with a single decision and then learns more and more about the new direction as he teaches it. We have covered the illusion of time already, but the illusions of, or the illusion of levels of teaching seems to be something different. Perhaps the best way to demonstrate that these levels cannot exist is simply to say that any level of the teaching-learning situation is part of God's plan for atonement, and his plan can have no levels, being a reflection of his will. Salvation is always ready and always there. God's teachers work at different levels, but the result is always the same. Each teaching-learning situation is maximal in the sense 
that each person involved will learn the most that he can from the other person at that time. In this sense, and in this sense only, we can speak of levels of teaching. Using the term in this way, the second level of teaching is a more sustained relationship in which, for a time, two people enter into a fairly intense teaching-learning situation and then appear to separate. As with the first level, these meetings are not accidental, nor is what appears to be the end of the relationship a real end. Again, each has learned the most he can at the time. Yet all who meet will someday meet again, for it is the destiny of all relationships to become holy. God is not mistaken in his son. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And would there be another new reader for paragraph 4 and 5? Kayla Moyne, back to you. Each teaching-learning situation is maximal in the sense that each person involved will learn the most that he can from the other person at that time. In this sense, and in this sense only, we can speak of levels of teaching. Using the term, in this way, the second level of teaching is a more sustained relationship in which, for a time, two people enter into a fairly intense teaching-learning situation and then appear to separate. As with the first level, these meetings are not accidental, nor is what appears to be the end of the relationship a real end. Again, each has learned the most he can at the time. Yet all who meet will someday meet again, for it is the destiny of all relationships to become holy. God is not mistaken in the Son. The third level of teaching occurs in relationships which, once they are formed, are lifelong. These are teaching-learning situations in which each person is given a chosen learning partner who presents him with unlimited opportunities for learning. These relationships are generally few because their existence implies that those involved have reached a stage simultaneously in which the teaching-learning balance is actually perfect. This does not mean that they necessarily recognize this. In fact, they generally do not. They may even be quite hostile to each other for some time, and perhaps for life. Yet should they decide to learn it, the perfect lesson is before them and can be learned. And if they decide to learn that lesson, they become the saviors of the teachers who falter and may even seem to fail. No teacher of God can fail to find no teacher of God can fail to find 
the help we need. Thank you, Lemoyne and Harrison. Five. The third level of teaching occurs in relationships which, once they are formed, are lifelong. These are teaching learning situations in which each person is given a chosen learning partner who presents him with unlimited opportunities for learning. These relationships are generally few because their existence implies that those involved have reached a stage simultaneously in which the teaching-learning balance is actually perfect. This does not mean that they necessarily recognize this fact. In fact, they, and this does not mean that they necessarily recognize this. In fact, they generally do not. They may even be quite hostile to each other for some time and perhaps for life. Yet, should they decide to learn it, the perfect lesson is before them and can be learned. And if they decide to learn that lesson, they become the saviors of the teachers who falter and may even seem to fail. No teacher of God can fail to find help he needs. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, everyone who met this morning. Um, but to touch a few ideas in these two sections. The first, who are their pupils? Certain pupils have been assigned to each of God's teachers and they will begin to look for him as soon as he has answered the call. When the teacher is ready to learn, the opportunities to teach will be provided for him. In paragraph two, in order to understand the teaching learning plan of salvation, it is necessary to grasp the concept of time which the Course sets forth. Atonement corrects illusions, not the truth. Therefore, it corrects what never was. In three, the world of time is the world of illusion. What happened long ago seems to be happening now. Because your will is free, you can accept what has already happened any time you choose. And only then will you realize it was always there. And as you accept it, it is already learned. Paragraph 4, time really then goes backward to an instant so ancient that it is beyond all memory and past even the possibility of remembering. Yet because it is an instant that is relived again and again and yet still again, it seems to be now. God's will in everything but seems to take time in the working out. 
what could delay the power of eternity. Paragraph 5, when pupil and teacher come together, a teaching-learning situation begins, for the teacher is not really the one who does the teaching. God's capital teacher speaks to any two who join together for learning purposes. The relationship is holy because of that purpose, and God has promised to send his spirit into any holy relationship. In the teaching-learning situation, each one learns that giving and receiving are the same, that they share one interest and one goal, and he has seen in another person the same interest as his own. And in section 3, what are the levels of teaching? The teachers of God have no set teaching level. The ultimate goal is always the same, to make of the relationship a holy relationship to which both can look upon this, in which both can look upon the Son of God as sinless. There is no one from whom a teacher of God cannot learn, so there is no one whom he cannot teach. The plan includes very specific contacts to be made for each teacher of God. There are no accidents in salvation. Paragraph 2, the simplest level of teaching appears to be quite superficial. It consists of what seem to be very casual encounters. Yet these are not chance encounters. Each of them has the potential for becoming a teaching learning situation. And even at the level of the most casual encounter, it is possible for two people to lose sight of separate interests. If only for a moment, that moment will be enough. Salvation has come. In paragraph 3, it is difficult to understand that levels of teaching the universal course is a concept as meaningless in reality as is time. Perhaps the best way to demonstrate that levels of teaching cannot exist is simply to say, that any level of teaching-learning situation is part of God's plan for atonement, and his plan can have no levels, being a reflection of his will. Salvation is always ready and always there. God's teachers work at different levels, but the result is always the same. In paragraph 4, each teaching-learning situation is maximal, in the sense that each person involved will learn the most that he can from the other person at that time. In this sense, and in this sense only, we can speak of levels of teaching. Using the term in this way, the second level of teaching is a more sustained relationship in which two people enter into a fairly intense teaching level, teaching learning situation, and then appear to separate. These meetings are not accidental nor is what appears to be the end of the relationship a real end. Again, each has learned the most he can at the time, yet all who meet will someday meet again, for it is the destiny of all relationships to become holy. God is not mistaken in his Son. And in paragraph 5, the third level of teaching occurs in relationships, which, once they are formed, are lifelong. In these relationships, each person is given a chosen learning partner who presents him with 
unlimited opportunities for learning. These relationships are generally few because their existence implies that those involved have reached a stage simultaneously in which the teaching-learning balance is actually perfect. This does not mean that they necessarily recognize this. In fact, <laughs> generally they do not. Yet should they decide to learn it, the perfect lesson is before them and can be learned. No teacher of God can fail to find the help, capital help he needs. Amen. And let's see here. The floor is open for about five minutes before the top of the hour. Should anyone uh, like to address how this feels? Uh, this is Donna. I seem to have gotten um, four things out of this reading. From, from paragraph one, what I saw was when I judge, whom I judge teaches me. So I am teacher and student to myself. And in paragraph three, is a prayer. Wake me, Father, in Jesus' name. Let me not wander in what never could be. Amen. And in, under section three, paragraph two, these encounters for me are my greatest joy. To me, they are joint participation in the good of God. And now I know it means also salvation has come. And the last line in paragraph five, no teacher of God can fail to find the help he needs. Today I find that as much encouragement. I am complete. Oh, thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. <coughs> Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. The thing that, you, Donna. <clears throat> that struck me um, in three, what are the levels of teaching, is um, in paragraph two, um, the simplest level of teaching appears to be quite superficial, but actually it is not. And when they say perhaps, perhaps, and perhaps, it's a choice uh, every moment that we have the opportunity to be in a relationship and to uh, resonate with someone else is an opportunity to bring salvation to ourselves and to that other person. I'm complete. I love that, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thank you. This is Ida. Um, I found the, another part of this remarkable too. Um, him talking about time and saying that all this actually happened so long ago that it's past even the possibility of remembering. But, you know, since, and God gave his, you know, as soon as 
we thought of uh, separation, God made the Holy Spirit as the answer to that, and everything was complete. In that moment, the whole thing happened, but we keep replaying out in time that ancient, ancient moment, um, and that we could um, accept what already happened at any time we want. That's amazing to me. We are not bound by time at all. If we can accept what already happened at any time we want, um, and all this seemed to happen so long ago, but then he said, in reality, it didn't happen at all. So in reality, we really never left God. We never appeared to even leave God. We never even appeared to leave each other. It's amazing. Thank you, Uncle complete. Thank you, Ida. And isn't Thank that you, just Ida. a great, great lead-in to the top of the hour? Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you for that, and thank you, Fran, for leading us once again this morning. I'll turn it over thank to you. you. Thank you. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. What is the ego is the theme. The lesson for today, lesson 339, <clears throat> I will receive whatever I request. So I shall read some from what is the ego. The ego is idolatry, the sign of limited and separated self, born in a body, doomed to suffer, and to end its life in death. The ego is insane. In fear, it stands beyond the everywhere, apart from all, in separation from the infinite. In its insanity, it thinks it has become a victor over God himself. And in its terrible autonomy, it, quote, sees the will of God has been destroyed. The Son of God is egoless. What can he know of madness and the death of God when he abides in him? What can he know of sorrow and of suffering when he lives in eternal joy? To know reality is not to see the ego in its thoughts, its works, its acts, its laws and its beliefs, its dreams, its hopes, its plans for salvation, and the costs belief in it entails. Yet will one lily of forgiveness change the darkness into light? the altar to illusions, to the shrine of life itself. And peace will be restored forever to the holy minds which God created as his son. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 339. I will receive whatever I request. No one desires pain, but he can think that pain is pleasure. No one would avoid his happiness, but he can think that joy is painful, threatening, and dangerous. Everyone will receive what he requests, but he can be confused indeed about the things he wants, the state he would attain. What can he then request that he would want when he receives it? He has asked for what will frighten him and bring him suffering. 
Let us resolve today to ask for what we really want, and only this, that we may spend this day in fearlessness, without confusing pain with joy or fear with love. Father, this is your day. It is a day in which I would do nothing by myself, but hear your voice in everything I do, requesting only what you offer me, accepting only thoughts you share with me. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 139, I'm sorry, lesson 339. I will receive whatever I request. Father, this is your day. It is a day in which I would do nothing by myself but hear your voice in everything I do, requesting only what you offer me, accepting only thoughts you share with me. Lesson 339, I will receive whatever I request. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you so much, Fran. Oh, thank you, thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Fran, I know you have some thoughts about this lesson. Oh, I'd love to hear them. Wow. <laughs> can't believe you said that. I am in a... Uh, situation today where this is just a perfect lesson for me. Um, I have a lot of things that I have to do and I am not going to do them until I hear the voice in everything I do. Requesting only what you offer me, accepting only thoughts you share with me. When I first read this lesson, I found it a little difficult. I will receive whatever I request. But then when I got to the prayer, it was just so perfect. I love that I have a guidance. I love when he says, it is a day in which I would do nothing by myself. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm doing nothing by myself. Thanks, Lori. Thanks for asking. I'm complete. Uh, thanks for sharing. I loved hearing that. Mm-hmm. Great share. That's thanks, Lori. Thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That was perfect. That's beautiful, uh-huh. Fran. I'd like to confirm uh, with Fran 
that Jesus spoke, spoke these exact words in John chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. It's just as beautiful there as here. I am complete. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Donna. Thanks for that. Good morning, Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Fran. And then um, in the mix, too. I love, Fran, that you focused on accepting only thoughts that I share with God or, you know, God's giving me the, the direction except, you know, I can, that, Father, this is your day. It is a day in which I would do nothing by myself but hear your voice in everything I do. And, and then accepting, which is integrating only the thoughts that God gives me. And God tells me there's nothing to fear. And I've learned through my life experience that fear is false evidence appearing real. And it's time for me to integrate that, to actually know, to actually live my life accordingly that there's, that there's nothing to fear. And I love in the, in the text how it focuses in on, you know, sometimes the, there's the fear, well, someone's going to get there first, <laughs> I'll be left out, I'll be behind. And this focuses in on we're all equal. There's an equanimity here. There's no levels of who's going to get there first or who's, you know, it's because there is no time. And time actually does, has in the past, created fear for me. But even, Fran, as you were sharing that you're going to do nothing today without, you know, hearing the voice for God, um, and that means you may not do anything today, and who cares? Because there's no time anyway. If you don't do it today... You could do it tomorrow until you until you feel like this is the next right step. I think that that's so courageous to just be still and not do anything. I mean, I know in the past I've wanted to jump out of my skin rather than to be still and not do anything and wait on God. And it's so nice, particularly because, you know, we're in our senior years and I'm so glad to get rid of that frenetic energy of restless, irritable, and discontent and just be able to be still and wait on God and know that there's nothing to fear and there is no time. There's only this present moment in gratitude for what is present right here, right now. I'm complete. Wow, I love that. that. Thank so you so excellent. Much. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Yeah, yeah. that was Sandra, great. So long. You reminded us that there is no time, just like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sandra. I just want to say hi. No, just want to say hi. It's Chris, requesting only to extend love in this call. Oh, thanks, Chris. Good morning.
Good morning, it's Mindy. Thank you, Sandra, for that reminder. Time doesn't really exist. Um, I, I notice that it's more challenging to listen to the voice for God when I am in a place of believing I can lose something. And I better get going so I don't lose it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it applies to the house and how I live in it. It applies to a relationship I'd like to have and I've got to get the house fixed first. And just It's amazing how my ego all day long will try to motivate me through fear. Fear of loss. And how important it is to notice that, that voice and let it go and just go into my heart. <laughs> my heart knows everything is fine. <laughs> That's the part of me that always knows. So sometimes there may be an emotion there that I need to pay attention to because it's telling me I'm not allowing love in or I'm not expressing love somewhere in my life and that's why I have a sadness, grief, anger, whatever it might be. Um, <laughs> for me, I have two kitty cats that love to, to jump on my lap and one of them especially likes to do it when I sit in my easy chair after the workbook call. And after I've done what I want to do for my bag, I want to get up, but she doesn't. And I realize that the voice of God speaks through my kitties all the time. Um, I just got very clear that instead of rushing out to get something done, the most important thing I can do every day is to put my priorities in place to get some perspective and realize the only thing that's important each day is not what I accomplish, but am I willing to be Oh, how do I say this? Um, <laughs> these are the words. Am I willing to be in the kingdom of God? <laughs> Am I willing to be in, in the place where heaven already exists and it's here because there is no time and there is no space? And am I willing to realize that my only purpose, my what everything else reflects or helps me to get to, my only purpose is to know joy and love and know God and be at peace in the moment and share that with all my brothers who I am united in, their, in, in my mind. I don't even have to do anything. That is my purpose, to be in the present moment, here and now, and to feel God's love and peace and just allow that to flow through me no matter what I do all day long. And you know the perfect day unfolds <laughs> with that kind of a commitment and that kind of willingness to let go of the addictions that the ego puts in front of us, knowing as we do that when we do, that something more beautiful and wonderful will happen. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. Beautiful, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. This is Donna. Something just popped up about this, this lesson. The King James says, of mine own self, I can do nothing. 
Now here we, it says, I would do nothing by myself. But the reality is, we can do nothing. I'm hungry. Popped into my head to get up and make myself a peanut butter sandwich. I didn't make a choice, a decision, or anything. It popped into my head. And then on the way back, something someone said is what made me realize. There's nothing we're doing that we're doing on our own night dynamics. We may be perceiving it wrong, but no step that we take did we order. Every step is ordered by the Lord. I'm really coming through something here, and I'm really just tired of being here, quite frankly, in this dream. So I'm a little bit irritated with God today. (laughs) I opened up a course of love, and it says choose again, and that's what we're doing in this lesson as well. And um, I think once we get, once we can understand that, I, 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 I will not leave my door today until the Holy Spirit prompts me. And all the encounters I do have out, they are the most joyful and rewarding for me. Because I know when I go out and smile somebody, if they don't smile back, they saw my smile. And I know, because I know whom I'm traveling with, that he used my smile and I had to do nothing but be where he prompted me to be. That sounds so simple. And it certainly sounds too simple to me and gets on my nerves. But the reality is, that's so beautiful what Fran said. And she does it every morning, or most mornings. Does the lesson. Who does she think she's walking with? She knows. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Thank you, Fran. You really, to me, brought a lot of enlightenment to the universe. Probably collapsed a few thousand years. I am complete. Thank you so much. That was so sweet. Thank oh, that was that was beautiful, Donna. Thank you. Well, now if there's time, Patricia's just got to come back and speak because it's between this gorgeous thing I'd say too, Fran, just sort of opened the whole thing to what happened to me, which was the perfect share she gave of of me hearing, yes, and you are receiving every single thing right now. And then I had that second share just now, and she came back and it called me, which was the one who shared, oh, and then in the gospel there's this other place that says what we're saying here. And then, you guys, I heard the miracle that gives this to me is that it's happening all the time, Patricia, and you just heard it between, I think it was Donna and and Fran, because what was happening there is it is the thing that calls you that you do not do, and it is that one thing that feeds you, that fed her when she shared from the gospel, and that fed the other her when she shared from the silence that she's trusting. And Patricia, tell them, and her, it's never the story. It's only that 
instant moment of something saying, that piece is me. That's me right now. This silence I love. That's me. I don't need to have the rest of that story interfere. Yes, it's that thing that Donna just shared that is in that old text. But I don't need to go to that text. It's not the story. It's the moment of recognizing the tiny piece and then turn away and look again for another tiny piece and let the story go down and you rise, honey. Patricia and all of us in all that happens when we do nothing. Thank you. Amen. We rise. Thank you, Patricia. Very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Just one last echo, because you guys pull it out of me every time. It's like a chorus line with, and honey, that's, that's that delusion when you see the war out there. You guys are learning this, because there is no war when you don't need a common story. There is no war when you only need a little glimpse of a tiny piece of it that's loving you, and you let that story go, and there's no more war. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Okay, the silence has got me for this giggle that I always comes in where my angels are cheering and I'm giggling and I can't help it. And I'm hearing the people, friends of mine, because I've been doing this for 40 years or more. So a lot of times I hear friends tell me, Patricia, I'm not going there. And then I ask them why. And they say, because once you open that door, you got to be responsible for every thought you have. And I'm not ready to do that one, so please get out of here quick. <laughs> and literally, those are people telling me why they're not my friends. Because <laughs> they just don't want to look at 
whether their thoughts are of war or peace or whether something is lovable or not. They don't want to look inside, and I've got to hear this laughter in me that I don't know what drove me here, but it wasn't my doing. But every thought, every thought, ah, I just can't ignore that's why the science feels so good. You see, I know it's not my doing. And I, I don't, I want them to go where they go and to be themselves. And oh, it feels so much better than wanting people to change. Thank you so much. Indeed. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Beautiful gift, Patricia. Oh, guys, this is Mindy. There's just one little thing I forgot to say when I brought up that my cats often get guidance. They they guide me. Um, I want to leave. They want me to do something else. And I always notice there's, I've either forgotten something or I find something I'm needing and didn't realize I need it. But Gwenny gets on my lap and she does not want to get up when I'm on the call. And if I'm not on the call, I know I need to get on the call because God works through her, because God knows that I need my perspective straightened around and stay on the call instead of getting up and rushing around and trying to get things done. And when I have my perspective and when I am open to the flow of God's life instead of listening to the ego who wants to tell me what to do, the whole day, like I said, it just flows. It's it's full of serendipity and there's and every encounter is a, a special encounter in the best way. It's not about me getting things done. It's about me being in relationship with God and sharing that love and that peace with other people, sometimes just through a smile. And I just love it when I get served by some lovely person who, when they're done helping me, you know, we normally say thank you, right? Um, but I'll ask people for special favors, and when I'm in this flow of love and peace and openness to God and allowing my preferences to take second, second, um, you know, second place, it's amazing how many people say thank you to me when I've asked them to help me. And it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's such a reversal of the ego's thinking, you know, I need to get something from you. I ask for what I want, and that gives an opportunity for someone to let God's love and power and wisdom and life flow through them. And when I'm a happy receiver of that, that enriches them. So there we go. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I just want to say that, you know, God's voice comes through many things, guys. It comes through our animals. It comes through when we have an urge to pick up a book, and I'll pick up a book and ask what what page I should look at, and there's some guidance. Or if someone's in front of me going really slow and it irritates me, I'm a numerologist. I can look at their license plate, and based on the numbers and the letters there, I can get a message that I need 
So I just wanted to encourage everybody that once we get out into the world and we're done with our meditation, um, just remember that the signs, God's voice is everywhere. And it doesn't have to just come with us sitting in silence. We can ask for it, and I know it will come. And I will come home and reflect on this beautiful, serendipitous day. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. Yeah, thank you, Mindy. This is Donna. That's so great, Mindy, about the numerology. I I and uh, I needed the rent money in 1984, and on the way to my wages job, I said to God, God, let five with my birthday 542 come in because we don't have the rent money. <laughs> to this day, I regret not asking him for more. But anyway, and sure enough, that night it came in, and we had the rent money. So that number, Jesus the Holy Spirit uses to direct me, let me know where I'm right it need to do because my birthday numbers, all of them, are just part of them, the, that part of them, will show up on license plates, will show up on the backs of buses, will show up in the strangest places, they'll show up on a TV show I'm watching, and it's like he says, you're doing exactly what I need you to do. Do I know what that is? I don't have the vaguest idea. But I do know that that's the Holy Spirit saying, Donna, be encouraged you right there. You're right where you're supposed to be. And since <laughs> I had to punch in again, in the lesson it says, no one desires pain. And, and Dr. Hoare has a wonderful way of putting that. He says, suffering, and referring to this dream we're living, suffering is an Suffering is inevitable, but it's not necessary. And he has two principles, and I'm sorry for using these, but it's the same teaching. Principle seven says, nothing comes into experience uninvited. And principle eight says, problems are lessons designed for our edification. And I don't know about anybody else, but that certainly keeps my attitude a little better. I am complete. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. That sounds just like the course. Oh, I'm sorry, Lori. It is exactly like the course, Ida. (laughs) Trials of lessons you failed to learn from presented once and again that you might make a different choice. (laughs) Same quote. Mm -hmm. So thanks, Donna. You know, this is Ida. Um, for me, um, what we just had, the little exchange that Lori and I had about what Donna was sharing, just being like the Course, makes me think of the fact that I've heard a lot of these things before, and I studied the Course on and off for half my life. So, you know, since about 1989 or 1990, over 30 years ago, and uh, even before that, I was into metaphysical teachings pretty big time. So it's not like I never heard any of these lessons before. 
in time, yes, I did. <laughs> I may have heard all of them before, including there not really being any time. But it's just that it's like he says in this section, capital H, he says in this section, um, we can accept what has already happened any time we want. <laughs> it's funny how limiting this course is in a, in a way, and yet another way how freeing it is. We are going to accept what already happened, but we can do it any time we want. But obviously, the sooner we do it, the less suffering we have to endure. Um, like what I, what Donna said about suffering and what I always heard is that pain is inevitable but suffering is optional, making a difference between those two ideas, you know, because the pain is the pure pain, whether it's emotional, mental, or physical, but the suffering is like they say, the, the great day that's around here somewhere, say that um, suffering is when we refuse to accept the pain or we we fight against it we fight against whatever is happening instead of going with the flow as it were and accepting the situation that we're in that we appear to be in in that moment thanks i'm complete thank you hey I wanted to thank you all. I've been taking some pictures for my friend Dennis and listening to your words, and they create such a beautiful symphony. And um, Thank you so much for your shares. Have a good day. You too, Robin Marie. Hey. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Bye-bye, Robin Marie. Thank you so much. This is Jessica, and I just, I also so appreciate all of you being here every day, and or at least those who are here every day, and all the occasional joiners. Um, the reading in the, the Manual for Teachers is just uh, such a, such a beautiful gift, I mean, to give us this manual after the whole um, text and lessons, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, I just feel so grateful. I, I can't stop crying when I'm listening to it. And listening to um, reading about the, the teachers, um, by the teachers, <laughs> is so beautiful because as I'm listening to the words about the teaching and, and how the teachers come to us and I'm listening to the voices of some of my teachers, it's just uh, the joy is <laughs> hard to contain. Um, and I just wanted to share one little thing before I have to get off and get ready for a yoga class. But um, I was, somebody mentioned driving and I think, a little while ago, and I was driving the other day coming out of a street into another street, and someone, you know how people people will sort of move you, say, go ahead, go ahead, which in and of itself, that's really great, because a lot of times when I'm driving around, 
I don't, I always feel like it, I don't know, I, I've gotten better at, I've gotten a lot better at stopping and letting people go, but I always used to feel like I should just get out of the way and then they can go because if I stop, then I'm slowing everybody down. But anyway, in this situation, this woman was waving me on, but she was waving me on with the most beautiful smile directed toward me. And I was taken aback by it because uh, I, just, I just didn't expect it. And, and it was one of, those, one of those things that he mentions, the, the chance encounter. It was a beautiful exchange of love and of God. And I'm not sure I, I didn't register it quickly enough because she was telling me to go, and so I went. I don't think I responded in kind, but it really touched me so deeply. And that's just a commentary on how something small like that can be so powerful. I'm complete, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> I love you so much. Bye. Oh, I love you too, Jessica. That was beautiful. Love you too. Bye. You you know that, uh, well, you're going to know now, at least it, bye comes, of course, from goodbye, and goodbye comes from the ancient Gaelic or something like that, meaning goodbye, meaning God be with you. God be with ye, right? Goodbye. So that's what we say when we say bye. Yes. Yes. There you go. Definitely. Thank you, Ida. God be with you. <laughs> you too, honey. Thank you, Ida. That was beautiful. Hi. Good morning, guys. It's Jude. I'm gonna get back to the to the reading itself and um, just reiterate what it says to me. And um, there's a few lines. I'm not going to pull them out in order because it's not the way my mind's working this morning. But um, the line in the third paragraph that says, because my will is free, I can accept what has already happened at any time. I choose, and only then will I realize that it was always there. And, um, you know, the, in the first paragraph, it says that um, pupils are assigned to each of us as teachers, and they will begin to look for us as soon as they have answered the call. Now, what does the call mean to me? The call means... To me, um, the call is the call of love, to love, for it to be itself. The call of love, to love, for it to be itself. And, and, and that's the call of God, to God, for God to be itself. And God is in all and is be, his being is in all. So every... Everything I think, everything I say, everything I do is in his being a call for love, for love to be itself. And, um, and, and the form of the universal curriculum, 
the idea that it's universal. That means to me it's universally applied. Um, And in the second paragraph where it, it talks about the necessity to understand that time is just a concept. And it's, it's a concept made by the egoic thinking mind. It's a, a source of separating itself as a separate self from the eternal now. It thinks in terms of the past, and it thinks of, in terms of memory, it thinks in terms of applying its, its experiences in use of judgment to the present, bringing the past into the present in the form of judgment. It, it uses the future as a means of getting out of, via the means of seeking for something better, getting out of the eternal now and seeking something in the future, so the, to understand the concept of time as the ego would use it and to understand the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's use of time, which is to release us from the concept, the belief in the concept of time, as the ego would use it for a, a source of the continuity of this separate self syndrome, all the thoughts accumulated that are mine that makes me think that I'm this me in a, in a body. So um, all rea- I am all reality. I am the reality of God. I am the kingdom of God. I am God's son. I am the, the mind of God itself. Um, you know, the idea of separation entered into it. Here comes judgment, slicing, dicing, the totality of the kingdom of heaven the totality of my reality. I'm going to separate my thoughts and myself into a a separate perceiver, perceiving from a separate, limited point of view. It's all about me. Me, my, mine, and claiming reality and my interpretation of it. It's my reality. And, and, and making things different from myself. Myself with a capital M. Myself that is everything in everything. Limits itself to this finite mind, this finite perception of a being in a body. The God, God being is in, within me. It most certainly is. But it's not contained to or limited by its limited perception of itself. So the world of time is the world of illusion. And atonement corrects illusions, not the truth. It corrects what never was. This illusory self never was, not isn't now, and never will be. And in letting it go, the atonement is healing me. Now, my recognition of the Holy Spirit is simply the voice of God speaking in me as love through me, love through me, his perfect love through me, that I give to everything, everything that I encounter, every holy encounter throughout the day. So whatever is happening is God's will. It's the totality of his will. His will is his gift to me. His gift to me is the kingdom. 
it is everything. And having everything and being everything is reconciled in my mind. And I look on everything with love because that is the way God sees everything. As, as love, a call of love to love for it to be itself. So, you know, the, the, the importance of, of grasping that time as a concept in the use of the ego. And the holy instant is always eternally now. And there is only one way of being, and that, that is a being of love. To see everything as love it sees it as itself. I'm seeing through the eyes of God and seeing everything as God within itself. So the um, giving and the receiving are the same. That's where giving and receiving love are the same. The call of love for love to be itself. It's simultaneous. That's its unicity. That's its state of grace. That's its simultaneous expression and extension of itself. So the demarcations, the law, the... Um, the lines drawn between, there's no between anything. There's no between roles, there's no between minds, there's no between bodies, needs, interests, all the differences disappear. It's the undoing of differences, the undoing of judgment. Judgment is differences, seeing something is different than myself with a capital S. Thoughts that separate them from one another. The thought that's separate, one single thought, so that everything is the same. What is the same cannot be different, and one cannot have separate parts. If I see something, if I judge or deny anything as being God or not being God, I'm judging all of it. I cannot judge a part of it, any part of it that I don't attribute to all of it. So here we go through the um, meaningless of levels. Any level of teaching, learning situation, it's a part of God's plan for atonement because this plan can have no levels, being of a reflection of his will, the totality of his will, being in everything, as everything. Where could there be a level? Salvation is always ready and always there, and the result is always the same. It's love giving and receiving love. That's all there is. There's nothing else. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Nice walk. Thank you, Julie. You know a lot about the Course and remember a lot of lines from the Course, Judy, so thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. I appreciate it. That was sweet, Ida. Thank you, Ida. And you know, the more I study it, the simpler it gets. <laughs> I used to think it was so, so complicated. But 
it isn't at all. It really is accepting the oneness of God in everything, as everything. Accepting it, acknowledging it, seeing it, seeing it everywhere and in everything. That vision doesn't see anything as less than perfect. Everything is perfect just the way it is, just this. And not to judge any of it, not the single littlest part of it is being wrong or out of place. And to see that oneness, to see that oneness, that sameness, that, that certainty, that nothing happens at random, that everything happens perfectly for the reason of bringing its wholeness to its awareness of itself, that it's all one thing. It's, it's just beautiful. When your when you're thinking mind gets out of the, the way and you let your heart just envelop the holiness of it, rest and relax in the holiness of my heart and embrace it. I love that lesson that says, my mind is very holy, it's a part of God. My mind is very holy, it encompasses everything I see. I, I, those lessons, I think, were the, the, the first to really open up my mind and heart and open being, meaning empty to me, where I let go of everything I thought about anything and, 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 and naming it or labeling it or, or an image of it that my thought could think about anything and just became really open in an empty slate and let him write the truth of what it really is, it being a capital I and really with a capital R, really is with a capital I. <laughs> and that is when it becomes really simple. See? Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Ida. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, the teaching-learning relationship is so different than anything I thought it was. And, um, well, here's the thing. I have like two, three pages of little notes of what came to me when I read these two uh, sections from the manual this morning. And like I do every morning, I walk down the stairs and said, I don't know anything. Waiting for the voice. And I sat down and lit up the computer and found my pages and everything. And uh, all of a sudden, I heard this voice that said, today we'll talk about stone soup. <laughs> and I, I was a Girl Scout when I first heard that story, Stone Soup. And uh, so I had to look it up uh, because it wasn't immediately accessible to me. But perhaps you've heard it about the travelers 
who came into a town and all they had was a pot and a rock. And um, and they spoke to the people that were there and talked about making stone soup. And they put the pot and the rock with the, they put the rock in the pot with some water and put it on a fire. And they said to the villagers, "This is a beautiful soup. And if each one has something to add to it, um, it will be so magnificent." And so. The poor, the poor villagers who didn't have a lot uh, were anxious to see about this stone soup. So they lined up to bring a little bit of this and a little bit of that and some carrots and a potato and an onion. And, and the more they added to the pot with the rock in the water, uh, the greater the scent that arose from the pot until the stone soup was complete and everyone enjoyed it and everyone enjoyed it to me that story is what the teaching and learning relationship is the teacher is God's teacher the capital teacher and each one learns in the teaching and learning situation in paragraph 5 each one learns that giving and receiving are the same and the demarcations that they drew between themselves disappear and fade until eventually we realize they all have one interest and one goal um, stone soup and its outcome of the accumulation of everything that we add makes it delicious is just a perfect analogy to what our father would have us learn from each other that together we're beautiful alone we're nothing um and isn't that heaven you know thanks for that judy um talking about time in heaven you know later on in the manual we're learn we'll we'll hear that atonement might be equated to a complete loss of interest in time that heaven is here and heaven is now there is no other time that can't be learned alone uh, because it's the nature of atonement to include the one relationship we have with the father and the one relationship we have with creation it's vertical and it's horizontal at the same time and each of us stands at that point of intersection oneness with each other and oneness with God one with oneness with creation and oneness with God none of it can be separated out he says the lonely journey fails and I'm here to attest to the fact that having tried the lonely journey <laughs> I know it fails and um, and without each other you see we can't learn that giving and receiving are the same giving and receiving are the same is the way we realize capital S self that point of intersection in the vertical and horizontal relationship to creation 
it can be learned no other way. Lesson 108 is, is a perfect lesson in that regard. It talks about one vision that is wholly true, one concept in this world that is wholly true, one um, way of being in this world that is wholly true. Uh, love must have a subject, you see. If I am subject of God, then my brother is subject of me. That's the only way I can know the reality of the relationship of love. That's why the lonely journey fails. And that's why the teaching-learning situation, the teaching-learning relationship, is a perfect relationship. Two minds join in one purpose to learn that giving and receiving are the same. Why are they the same? Because there's one capital S self. I can gift about myself. I can crucify about myself. Salvation comes from my one self. The teaching learning relationship is a beautiful, beautiful relationship because it acknowledges the equality of God's creation. And it's in that acknowledgement that I affirm innocence. My own and my brother's. My brother's is my own. That's why we share one capital S self. I had an email this, this weekend. It was, it was just so perfect. It was one teeny tiny line from um, Paralyzed Amidon. He does this, he sends out flashes. And the flash this weekend was the oneness of God is the uniqueness of everything. The oneness of God is the uniqueness of everything. Everything is in, everything in creation is in a perfect relationship that makes up the tapestry of God's thought. God's capital T thought. It's the nature of God, our Father's source, to be in relationship with creation. And you might say, God is approached by loving his creation. Again, I can't do that without you. You can't do that without me. Without you, I can't learn that giving and receiving are one in truth. It's how we express the uniqueness that we are in relationship to what God is. And what a beautiful relationship it is. If Robin Marie, before she left, she said, what a symphony you guys make. Uh, what a beautiful stone soup we make together. It's such a delight to listen um, every morning to how we touch this one mind and how this one mind touches us. It's reality. And reality is something I can't know alone either because reality includes creation, you and everyone the sum of all God's thoughts. 
stone soup. That's um, just a beautiful description of the teaching and learning relationship. That together we are so much more, so much greater. And that greatness can't be broken apart and maintain its oneness. Every miracle, every miracle um, is designed to bring that awareness to my mind. Every addition to the pot makes it more delicious. Stone soup. And finally, um, I, I did a little search this morning on answering this capital C call. And um, and it led me to Lesson 182, which is, I will be still a moment and go home. And in that lesson, it talks about the little child whose innocence is still perfect and whole, who desires nothing more than to breathe the sweet air of his father's house. And in the later paragraphs of that lesson, it says, you have not lost your innocence. This is your heart's desire. This is the capital V voice you hear, the capital C call that cannot be denied. I can't know innocence unless I see it reflected. When I hold a mirror to receive the mind of God, receive the thoughts of the mind of God, and reflect those thoughts, those thoughts become shared. Um, the most beautiful thing I can ever um, offer is a thought of innocence because it's the most beautiful call there is in the world. It's the only truth that creation is and always will be uh, in the likeness of our Father. Innocent, perfect love. And again, I can't maintain that awareness on my own uh, without sharing it. It is by nature um, sharing. That's why the lonely journey fails. I think, I think to um, to end this call this morning from chapter fourteen. In the Shift of Miracles, he says, It is impossible to remember God in secret and alone. For remembering Him means you are not alone and willing to remember it. Take no thought for yourself, for no thought you hold is for yourself. If you would remember your Father, let the Holy Spirit order your thoughts and give only the answer with which He answers you. Everyone seeks for love as you do and knows it not unless he joins with you in seeking it. That's the teaching-learning relationship. If you undertake the search together,
you bring a light so powerful that what you see is given meaning the lonely journey fails because it has excluded what you would find as God communicates to the Holy Spirit in you so does the Holy Spirit translate his communications through you so you can understand them that's why we need each other God has no secret communications for everything of him is perfectly open and freely accessible to all being for all nothing lives in secret and what you would hide from the Holy Spirit is nothing every interpretation you would lay upon a brother is senseless let the Holy Spirit show him to you and teach you both his love and need for love neither his mind nor yours hold more than these two orders of thought and the miracle is recognition this is true that's what I request today and I will receive whatever I request and Sandra I do thank you for talking about courage is waiting uh, in truth for in the silence for truth it reminded me of another poem I read this weekend we have the duty of delight because the most beautiful form of courage is to be happy happiness shares itself just like stone soup so thank you everyone I'm really 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 grateful this morning amen amen thank you Lori. it's a beautiful symphony I'll have the recording but uh, not the call 